You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. that that will be my truth and that will be the reality that I live out of but that will be the reality that I choose to live out of that doesn't mean that it's the highest form of truth because God's the same miracle working God in Brazil that he is in Indianapolis or in Greenwood or anywhere else he's the same everywhere which begs the question then why does it not happen (laughs) that's a great question I'm not going to be able to answer for you Because I made up in my mind, I made up in my mind years ago, Lindsay and I, we made up in our minds that I will not, we will not answer, we will not answer questions that are, that are unanswerable. You just hit the off button on them. There's a remote back there. We will not answer questions that are unanswerable, right? Because. Because, and you could think that they were answerable if you want to build a theology that comes out of a place of hurt and disappointment. A theology that will protect me from hurt and disappointment. Because I've been in situations where people say things out of their hurt, out of their disappointment, in their tragedy, in their loss. And it pains me deeply because I know it's not true of who God is. That he doesn't need another angel or another, another rose in his garden or a, another... I mean, these things that, that, that may appear to look good on bumper stickers and, 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 uh, and t-shirts of people that I don't, I don't know may wear. But it, it's, it's not true of his nature. All right? It's just not true of who he is. But in the moment, it brings me pseudo comfort. But then what happens is, is when I comfort myself with something that's not true, there's a lie that gets built on the inside of me that comes from a place of disappointment. And when I live out of a place of disappointment, I cannot live out of the fullness of love. Because there's no disappointment in love. It's, it's just, it's impossible. I, I've made this mistake with, with my teenage son before. I made this mistake. And if you said this as a parent, I'm, I'm sorry. But I've made this mistake because I've told my son before that I was disappointed in him. It was a huge mistake. Even though I was disappointed in him, I should have, I should have articulated the way that I felt in a different way and pulled him closer to me. Because when I voiced that to him, what it did was push him farther away. Because love brings you close. Me me sharing my disappointment with him in hopes that he would feel bad, and then because he felt bad, change. But it doesn't say the the badness of God brings repentance or transformation. It says the goodness, right? Right? Romans 2, 4. The goodness of God causes people to repent. 
That's the biggest part of that is not only turning away from sin. That is part of repentance, and it is a very important part because sin was never meant to be a part of our lives. That you and I, it was the moment we said yes to Jesus, we're no longer sinners saved by grace. We become sons and daughters, <laughs> His chosen ones. That's what He always designed for us to be all along. And so sin becomes something that's a non-issue. When I realized the power of sin got broken over my life. Now, if I sin, it becomes a choice, not something that I don't have control over. <laughs> and I've made those choices since I've been a Christian and, and, and committed things that were, that were sin. But the more I fell in love, the less attractive those things became. <laughs> and I realized that that's not even part of who I am, and then they become foreign to me. I'm like, I don't even know. You know, the thoughts don't come anymore because I'm, that person that I used to be that liked those things, enjoyed those things at some level that felt good to me in my selfishness, that person actually got executed when I got born again. And he's dead. <laughs> and so dead people can't sin, right? <laughs> dead people can't be offended. <laughs> Come on, we can take it further, right? Dead people can't be disappointed. Now, I don't want to, because I'm, I'm going to share a story with you today that, that is going to, uh, it's going to be, it may be a little heavy for a moment. We'll come up out of that place, you know, we'll fly low for, and then we'll go back up and to a higher altitude. <clears throat> I don't want to be insensitive to the disappointment that you faced. I don't want you to think for one moment or do a disservice to you by what I'm going to tell you today and say that your disappointment is not real, that your disappointment uh, is not legitimate, that it has not hurt you, that it has not been painful, that it has not been something that's been hard to get out of. But I believe that I can give you a key today that God has given me because I'm going to share my life message with you. This is Lindsay and I's life message. What to do with disappointment. It's something that I got seven years ago, and it's been a key to actually keep me in to, to keep me with high hope in living in a place of love. It has, because when you go after that, that Jesus, the standard, when you go after the lifestyle of Jesus and reckless abandon, you're like, we're going to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, preach the gospel, <laughs> right? You get fired up, and then bam, you hit this wall of like, why did, what happened there, right? <laughs> I was super stoked. I can't believe it didn't happen. I was so excited, you know. And I find out that all my excitement and all my passion is wrapped up in seeing the thing happen. And I realize that it's not actually coming from a deep place of being in love with Him. And all my excitement and all my passion comes in that place now. My excitement is coming now from a place of knowing that I'm really loved. Knowing that I'm really loved, not, not wanting to see the next miracle. But it took me years, and it's not going to take you that long, but it took me years to get to that place of, of, of battling, you know, not seeing something happen, and then trying to get back to a place where I was just okay, because it messed me up for a long time, and I didn't show it that much, but it would just be, you know, you know what happens when, when we're not vulnerable and we pretend like things don't affect us is that they just pile up. Yeah. 
And constantly, then they're affecting my love and my compassion, the two things that I was created to live from all my life, every moment of every day. Those things pile up, and I I can put word on top of them and teaching on top of them, and people can pray for me, and, and I can go to conferences, and I can get all that stuff, but until I'm vulnerable, until I'm vulnerable with, with my stuff and get it out there, right? It, it's, it's not impossible, to, but it, it's likely for it not to, to go anywhere. I, I never say anything because God, you know what? He, he never violates his word, but he loves to violate my understanding of it. <laughs> I, I think that that's, it's, it's just true, right? I have an understanding of the word that's going to keep getting greater and greater. And so now let's get into let's get into the word. I want to <clears throat> I want to give you I want to give you a Bible story that will line up with the story of my life and the things that Lindsay and I have faced. And I would love to. I'm probably going to share this story about my father-in-law tomorrow. My my uh, my hero, uh, spiritual father, before Lindsay was was my my girlfriend even. And he had battled cancer for uh, 18, 19 years before he went home to be with Jesus. Doctors only give him like a year and a half, two, two years to live, a multiple myeloma. <clears throat> or he had cancer, cancer of the bones. And he was a man of, of great faith. His picture is hanging in the entryway. <clears throat> and it says something to the fact that he chose to, to live in faith instead of die in unbelief. And I never saw him get moved by the way that he felt, the, the doctor's report, the near-death experiences because of cancer, not because of his choices like, like my life. Oh, you're talking about a really holy, sold-out man to Jesus. I watched him worship God on his deathbed and, and just, I mean, and he was in agonizing, excruciating pain. Uh, lots and lots of days. <clears throat> I'd love to share that that story, but it, tomorrow is a celebration of um, it was the day he went to to be with be with Jesus, and so I'm going to share I'm going to share something different today than I'll, than I'll share tomorrow. I'll celebrate his life his life tomorrow, but <clears throat> I want you to know that that story happened at the beginning of get, us getting ready to plant revive the world, and I knew. Because God had spoke to me and then spoke a prophetic word through someone else of something I had hidden in my heart. You know, Mary had hid what the angel had said in her heart. She, she probably, there were probably several reasons why she didn't want to share that with anybody. <laughs> God's going to impregnate me with the Savior of the world. Right? If they would have had a rubber room and a straight jacket in those days, she'd have been in there. <laughs> I mean, there would have been an angel that got her out, but she would have been there nonetheless. <laughs> So they'd have thought she was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? <laughs> so I had hidden this promise in my heart, and the promise was to start healing rooms, what we call the healing center, the, that Joe and Arelli are, are, are just doing a bang-up job of, of, and have been for a long time now, um, of doing everything concerning it. But we knew we were supposed to start it, but we are in a place of not seeing, not seeing very many healings or miracles, right? I talked about it last night. I was living, uh, my life was a, a bummer most days is what it felt like because it was attached to the things I was hoping would happen or not happen. I'm glad my hope's not anchored there anymore. Uh, 
<laughs> so uh, you can't give me a bummer. Um, you can try. <laughs> Please don't. But <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying that it's it's unlikely. <laughs> and um, and it's all because of his love. It really is. Love can't be disappointed. <clears throat> And so Lindsay and I had some things that we needed to work out. And right about that time, I, I, got this, I got this message, and it came through Bill Johnson. I got this message. It's become my own. It's become my life. It's become one of my favorite things to preach anywhere that I go in the world. I love to preach this message because when we go after the ministry of Jesus, we must know what to do with disappointment. If we do not, we will live in a place of disappointment that will, will not be what God planned for us. And it, like I said, it will lack love. It will lack compassion. It will lack hope. It will lack joy. It will lack all the things that Holy Spirit is, is on the inside of us and has brought in us. It's already there, right? It's not something we have to attain to or be, be so special or get ordained or all those things. Can, you know, ordination can be important, but it, it comes from heaven first. And then man says yes and amen to what God's placed on your life. But it, it's, it, we'll try to attain to get something that I've already got. <laughs> it's good, right? So, Matthew 11, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his twelve disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, John the Baptist is in prison. You're, you're, you're all aware of this, this story? When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? I'm, I'm going to stop right there for a moment. And, and I want to back up for a second and take you to John, to John uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. <laughs> it's going the wrong way. <laughs> <clears throat> turned left, should have been turning right. So the Gospel of John, in verse, chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him. First time that he saw him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, uh, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Verse 32, and John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remained upon Jesus. Talking about Jesus' baptism. We see in Matthew chapter 3 that we see in Mark chapter 1, and it's also in Luke. And so he says, uh, I did not know him, but he sent, sent me to baptize with water and said to him, this is verse 33, again, upon him, who you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John had made this declaration in, in other passages. Matthew chapter 3 is one of them. Verse 34, And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. <clears throat> he was the first one to ever proclaim that Jesus was the Son of God. He had the greatest calling card, the greatest website, the greatest anything that you could ever have for advertisement for your ministry. I am the one 
who paved the way for Jesus. We could lay down and die right there. He had had the greatest ministry that had ever been on the face of the earth and ever that will be. Right? <laughs> Jesus proclaims it later on in Matthew 11. He's like, John the Baptist, you know, there were great prophets, great people. John the Baptist is the greatest of all of them. <clears throat> and so verse 35 says, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Two days in a row, back to back, John proclaims that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Are you guys with me? Okay, I didn't know if we knew to make coffee or what was going on. <laughs> Verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. <laughs> I just wanted, wanted to read that and point out that... Uh, that John didn't get mad when the disciples left his ministry and went to another. <laughs> he didn't post anything bad about them. <laughs> there was no backbiting or gossip, right? It appears to me that he just blessed them and was like, they're going with Jesus, right? I'll stop there. Matthew 11. <laughs> Actually, you can go back to Matthew 11, and I'll start here in in, uh, shortly in verse 4. I'm trying to underpromise promise Melbourne to deliver. Um, but John the Baptist, now he's in prison and it does not look good for him. It does not look like John is going to get out of prison. And we know from the, from the Bible that John ends up getting beheaded. He was preaching this, this amazing gospel and, and hard truth, and, and it, it got his head lopped off. Well, it's just a position that he had. He, he died a, a martyr's death, and it's a, it's a glorious, glorious thing. He didn't pull any punches. He preached the truth to the king. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the king got wowed by this young lady that was dancing. Evidently, she really knew how to dance because he was willing to give up half his kingdom. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> I, I never seen nobody dance like that. <laughs> I'm willing to give up half my kingdom. <laughs> Thanks to you. <laughs> Begs the question of what she had on, but. <laughs> And, and, and so, so John is, is going to get killed. And so he's in prison. And in the, in the darkness, I remember hearing Ben Armstrong say this when we were at the, at the uh, School of the Prophets some years ago out in Reading. He said, never doubt in the darkness what you've believed in the light. And for a moment, that really didn't make sense to me. But then I realized that there have been moments when I was in the manifest. I know God's everywhere, right? I know he's omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time. But his, his, his manifest or tangible, feelable, glorious presence is not in all of those places. And so when I am worshiping or when I am aware, which now is often, <laughs> I'm aware of his, his presence. I become too aware right now in this moment. This, this may end. But <laughs> at least for me. And, and I... 
I realize that in the moments that I'm aware of his presence, that there's revelation that comes because revelation comes in the presence. But there have been moments when I was going through tough stuff, right? There would have been deemed dark moments and loss or tragedy or heartache or, you know, maybe just a bad day. And, and I would think about those truths and they didn't seem as true as they did in the presence. Have you ever had one of those moments? You're like, I don't really know if that's applicable anymore, Jesus. <laughs> I'm not sure how powerful that word is for my life right now. Or I've thought about some of that revelation when I was in those moments, and it actually didn't even make sense to me. Because I was trying to understand the truth of the word of God logically, and it hadn't yet transformed my mind. Because truth's not digested through the human mind. It's digested through the spirit, and then it goes into the soul where the mind is, and then it brings transformation of the mind. Because when I try to digest truth through my mind, then I'm looking to have a God of my understanding. And he's going to be a little bitty. And so John is in the darkness. Like he's in, the, you know, he's in the real prison. Like <laughs> hardcore, real, real prison. It's, it's darkness. You know, he's, he's not got electricity. He's not got running water. He is in a bad place. And it appears to me like in this moment... That he's in his darkness. Because he knows that Jesus is the one who sets free from prison. He's the one who sets prisoners free. So what if in this moment, John is meditating on the disappointment that he has because it does not look like he's leaving prison. And then doubt creeps in. Because when I feast on disappointment, it legitimizes doubt and it can start with doubting God's word and then it can begin it can start I can start to actually doubt God and then what happens is that there's a spirit that comes on the heels of that we call it unbelief and I've seen it happen to people not going to happen to anybody in this room or anybody that's watching but it's I've seen it happen to people and thankfully they've the, the ones that I know of have come back to the Lord, but they actually left the Lord. Some of you may think that's impossible. I've watched people that were sold out on fire for Jesus in their passion and their excitement, all being tied to the things they were getting to do and getting to see. And then something didn't happen, and they had their dark moment, their jail cell moment, and they begin to feast on the disappointments of that thing. And that became their, it became their rightful meal, even though it's not a lawful meal for you and I to feast on. Because the Bible tells me, tells me to actually, in Psalms 37.3, it says, feed on the faithfulness of God. <laughs> it never tells me not to, to feed on the things that I don't see. It never tells me to meditate on what looks like didn't happen. Because God, whatever, if I attribute it to Him or I attribute it to somebody else. Because oftentimes in my life, I needed somebody to blame, right? I believe it came from Adam and Eve. It came through the curse. They started the blame game, and it's went on down. And so then when bad things happen, the first thing I've done is I've looked for someone to blame it on. And in this moment, John, in this jail cell, begins to doubt the most, most important most powerful, most impactful revelation that anybody has ever had or ever will have. 
that Jesus is the Son of God. He was out in the desert eating locusts and wild honey for his ministry, right? People were coming to him from all over because nobody had heard from heaven for over 400 years. They are coming from walking out in the desert to see this man who appears to look a little crazy, dressed in camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey. But they're coming from all over because they haven't heard the word of the Lord. No visions, no dreams, no prophecies, no nothing. And so it really doesn't matter what John's preaching, right? He can be as harsh as he wants to. He's just, he's just giving it to him. <laughs> you brood of vipers. <laughs> the axe is going to be laid to the tree. You better repent and bear fruit worthy of repentance. They're eating it up. They're like, yes, more. Give it to me. <laughs> Kenneth Hagin me. Whack me in the face, too. He's a great man of God. I've seen him. People get healed through that. You know, I just haven't had the guts to try it. <laughs> I had a guy one time. He was right up here. And I'm like, man, this is not a prayer model, by the way. He had plantar fasciitis on the bottom of his foot. And I'm like, I knew him. So I'm like, bro, I feel like I'm supposed to kick your foot. <laughs> I'm like, I won't kick it hard. But I feel like I'm supposed to kick it. And he sits it up here <laughs> like this. And, and, you know, I didn't have the audacity. It just went, mm, you know, just kind of in Jesus' name. Bam. <laughs> and God healed him. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, yeah. So <laughs> John could have said pretty much anything that he wanted out there. He's preaching this hard truth. It's the truth nonetheless. But they're coming from everywhere. He, he knew in preparation God had spoken to him. It appears to me as if John is the first one that got spoke to by God in over 400 years. Gosh, I love his voice. I love his voice as much as I love his presence. I can live without a lot of things, but I can't live without his presence. I'm glad I never have to. So John, in all of the, the, I see, you look, John has an opportunity. He has a choice on what he's feeding on in this jail cell. And it appears to me, because he's feeding on disappointment, it leads him to ask the question, to doubt the very existence of the one who is the Son of God. So he sends two of his disciples. He says, ask him if he's the coming one, or should we look for another? And this is what Jesus says to him in his kindness and in his goodness, right? He could have like gave it to John, really. He could have really gave it to John. He's like, bro, you're my cousin. Like, we're, you, you know me. You leaped in your mother's womb. When my mom walked into the room, you were filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. You may not remember that. I know it was a long time ago. But you remember when you baptized me? We argued in front of everybody on who should be baptizing who. We, I, you know, almost came to blows, and then you, I threw that in, I don't think that happened, but <laughs> it was a colorful picture though, right? And so he, you know, he could have, he, he could have said a lot of things to John. He could have rebuked the daylights out of him, right? That would have been my temptation. Like, what are you thinking, man? You know who I am? You baptized me, you declared who I am. 
You preach the message. You pave the way for me to come onto the planet to pay for the sin of the world, to demonstrate what the Father looks like. But he says this in verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Let me read it again. Verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jesus points him to what I believe is a key for every Christian. That there ever ever has been, ever will be, is right now on the planet, of how to live a life that becomes unoffended at God for the things that we don't see. And so here's my story. We were in the, in the midst of, I, I think this has been, uh, some of you, it's going to be emotional for, for some of you, and, and it'll be emotional for me, but we're, it, it's a good, if we cry, we're good, you don't worry about us, we're all right. And um, <clears throat> it's just that those are still, they can still be painful moments. It's okay to, to cry tears, it's okay to grieve, you don't have to act like things didn't happen, it's, it's all right. It's not all right to not deal with it. But, it, but it's, all, it's all right if something hurts your heart that happens, okay? That's why he's the healer, <laughs> right? Then healing flows in me. Like he doesn't have to do it from the outside. He can do it from the inside as I process pain in his presence. I do all my grieving with my face towards God. That's what I've learned. Process all my pain in his presence. I do all my grieving with my face towards God. And so it's been, it's been about three years ago, and we had uh, a couple here, an amazing couple, who had uh, a, a daughter um, who, uh, honestly, she had been dead for 20-some uh, minutes at, at birth. Um, it, was, it was just a messed up situation. I won't go into, into all the details, um, but uh, <laughs> you could you playing already. <laughs> I'm going to preach longer probably. What <laughs> a prophetic flow coming from behind me. I'm like, whoo. Um, but she had a cerebral palsy. It slipped my mind. Cerebral palsy. And um, we had been, they had, this couple had, she was two. Annalise was her name. Um, she had uh, got sent here from another much larger church than us, but they knew that we, you know, were seeing breakthrough and healing, and and so this couple ended up coming to our church. These are mutual friends, and they weren't, you know, they send people here all the time. They recommend our church all the time. Um, they're actually at the, at the Greenwood Vineyard. Elisha Hale and, and them, they're, you know, Clay, uh, Bailey, Katrin, all, all them guys, they'll, they'll send people here. They just, you know, and if somebody fit better there, we'd send them there. It's just, they're just right down the street. But they'd sent this couple here so that we could, they could get the, the love and care that they really needed at a, at a smaller place. 
And so we're every time, people are praying, every service, every time we see them, we're praying, we're contending for the miracle, we're contending for the miracle. It appears like we're seeing some measure of breakthrough, and you know, it's just like we're contending. And it's, I mean, it had to have been a solid year that we contended for, oh, it's just over and over and over again. And you know, you're just, you you pray and you don't see it happen, you're hopeful that it'll happen the next day or the next day or the next day, because we've seen miracles that have happened, you know, three days later. They just wake up and they're healed. And I'm like, yes, I don't care when, I don't care how. I just, I'm just thankful when it happens, right? And I'm learning to remain thankful even when it doesn't. Not because of not seeing it, because that's just the place I want to live in all my life. It's the place I was designed to live in. And so I get this phone call. I uh, have a confession to make that most nights my ringer is not on. You think you're a pastor. You should be available all hours of the night. (laughs) I told people early on when we started this that I will not be attending. I will not be tending to, not attending, but I will not be tending to uh, a mess that you made at 3 o'clock in the morning that's taken six months or six years to make because I am not going to be able to fix your mess. But what we're going to do is we're going to teach you that you're powerful people that can clean up your own mess, and we'll talk at 8. (laughs) Or 8.30, or 9, or at lunch, right? Because most good things in kingdom happen around food. And a lot of them happen at City Barbecue, so. At least for a few of us, right? (laughs) Lindsay the other day is like, you just went here. (laughs) We were eating there, I'm like, so? <laughs> so I, I don't have my phone on. We're living in, in our other house that we just sold not long ago. And I wake up <laughs> in the middle of the night, about 2.30, and I see my phone is ringing. And it's, and it's this, it's Annalise's dad. He's calling me. And I answer the phone, and he says, get here, quick. It's Annalise. And I'm like, he didn't tell me anything, right? It's just one of those things. I call, uh, I called Justin uh, Barnes. Went over there um, with me. It was me and, and Lindsay and, and him. I think we. Am I missing somebody else? Was there anybody else that was with us? I think it was just the three of us. So when I pull onto the street, there are ambulances, cop cars, fire truck. Like it's. I mean, there's, it looks like there's been something awful that has happened here. And so, you know, I'm, I'm getting, moving my way through the crowd, and they're like, who are you? I'm like, I'm, I'm their pastor, which gets me in everywhere pretty much, you know. <laughs> I had one nurse stop me one time from getting in a place, but it, I couldn't, you know, the smile, the, the credentials, nothing worked. And uh, <clears throat> so I get into the house and go, and they would direct me to, to where the parents are and to where Annalise is, and I go up there, and I didn't know what I just find out is that Annalise had already died, and they are holding the baby there, will not let them have this child until we get there and raise her from the dead. No pressure. I had only ever attempted to raise one person from the dead, even though I talked about it, believed the gospel, and am willing to do it. 
But when you're in that moment where the, you know, all these people, cops and everything, they're, you know, the, the coroner and, you know, the IMPD, they're like, tell them to let us have the baby. I'm like, I'm not telling that mama nothing. I'm like, you must be out your mind. I am not that brave. And, 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 and so I, I go and I'm, I'm there to serve, right? I'm there to serve. I'm there to love. I just hold this cold child in my hands and pray everything that I know to pray. I, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where there's a prayer model for raising the dead, right? I don't know what to do. I just know that Jesus lives inside me, and I'm hopeful that life is coming back into this little girl. And so I pray, and I pray some more, and I pray in tongues, and I pray some more. And we pray so long that it's, you know, hope is evaporating out of the room. And I've got these two parents that are looking to, to me to do something about this situation. And I've, I've got nothing. I've got nothing else. I, I don't have anything to, to offer them but hopefully comfort and, 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 some, and someone to cry on. And so we finally give the give Annalise to to the coroner and, and they you know the parents say their goodbyes and we stand there with them. It's one of those moments that in the position, I tell our leaders this too, that when we're in those moments, we don't get to be a mess. We we don't get to be a mess. If I need to be a mess, I need to go somewhere else and be the mess so that the people can lean on us, right? And it's and those those are that's rough. That's a that's a high standard, right? It is. And we learn we're learning we're learning to to hold our emotions until later, and then we'll do our grieving too because it it, it does not compare to the parents' pain, but it's still painful. It doesn't it doesn't compare. And so we, you know we go downstairs, and, and Annalise is gone, and um, and they're sitting on the couch, and I'm I'm sitting next to the mom and, and people are saying those things that I talked about earlier you know those things that you, you know <clears throat> they're just I'm, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be rude or disrespectful it's just it's just not not true they're saying things trying to comfort them when I, and I, I I've learned Christianity 101 just be there you don't have to fill the silence with words because I I don't my job is, is not to give you my advice. My job is to share truth with you. Hope with you, which comes from truth of the Word of God. But in this moment, I, I don't have that to share. I don't know what to say. And at that vow I had made, I know they say don't make vows. I think this was a good one. I won't ever say anything. Basically, I just, I'll just i shoot it straight. I'm not going to say anything stupid in those moments. That's, that's one of my things at the top of my list. And, and while I'm preaching, too, not to say anything stupid. But in those moments, too, don't say anything dumb. All right? And the urge to fill the silence is, is overwhelming. And this mama looks me in the eyes and she said, why? Why'd this happen? Why'd God take my child? And I want to so badly say all the things that I know to be true, but I also at the same time know better. 
just look her in the eyes and I say, I don't know. Because in those moments, not the time to correct somebody's theology. Just love them. Just love them. And that's what we did. We just loved them. Best we knew how. And it's, you know, 7, 8 in the morning, we're going to go home. And <clears throat> we'll go home and now I get to cry, right? And I'm, I'm not just crying sad, I'm crying angry. I'm just going to be real. Like, I'm, I'm upset it, this went down like this. I'm, I'm mad I'm, and I'm letting God know it. Like, I, I, and he's all right with that. I believe he loves real. He knows it all anyway. Might as well be real with him. And I, I let him, I just vent. I'm like, why'd this happen? How, how could, this is, this is not what your word says. This is supposed to, this isn't supposed to go down like this. He was supposed to live. This was, they got promises. They got prophetic words. They got, you know, this little girl, she should have been made whole. This is what Jesus paid for. I know the standard. I know the truth. I know all these things. It's, it's what I, it's what I based my whole life off of. It's what I've given my life for period. I'm not going back to anything else. It's it. It's all I've got. It's all I want. And I'm in my bathroom. Thankfully, it's a large bathroom, so I can kind of pace, and you know, it's the master bath, and I'm pacing and, and crying and yelling, and nobody's home. And I just fall down on my knees. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, why is this, why this happen? Why? And I just calm myself for a moment and I sit in the silence and quickly I hear his voice the voice of the one who loves me and he said I'm okay with you asking those questions as long as you're okay with not getting the answer and in that moment he wasn't being rude, he wasn't being insensitive but he was pointing me to a principle of Romans 3, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. First scripture, that's one of the first scriptures anybody ever had me memorize. And I've, I've found out why in moments like that. Trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. And right then I had to. There's two things that I did because I felt the oppression of the enemy. Like I could, I told you guys last night I'm a feeler. I could feel the devil and I could feel him taunting me. He's, you know, he's, he's saying things. He's like, you know, what do you, I could hear these thoughts coming into my mind. What are you going to do now? You look stupid. What, you know, what are you going to tell people? How are you going to continue to preach this? How, and by the way, every time something like that happens, something awful happens, tragedy or loss, the very next Sunday we preach on miracles and healing and go after it again and pray for the sick every time it's just like a devil I'm not stopping right <laughs> you're a loser that's all you'll ever be you lost right you 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 made your bed you gotta lie in it it's just the, it's just the path you chose for yourself Right, and so he's he's like bombarding me with all these lies. And in those moments, you know how it is when you haven't slept, and you're like, I'm wrecked with disappointment, and I'm like, my gosh, what do I do? And I know that one of the keys to my life has been worship. 
And so I feel him. I feel him on the drive to the building. I'm coming to the building where I can worship loud. <laughs> right? I don't want to turn the music. Some of you may not like it loud. I like it loud. I turn the worship music up loud so that I can holler and do whatever it is that I want to or so that the music can just be loud. And I walk in. It's something I learned from Chris, something I heard Chris Gore do one time. And I walk into the building and I take this chair and I sit it right here. And I said, devil, you'll sit right here and watch me worship my God. And you know what? He didn't hang out very long. <laughs> he cut out quickly, right? Probably at the mention of worship, my God. Because in that moment, I was making a decision, making a choice to choose Him over disappointment. And sometimes it's a moment-by-moment -moment thing. I choose in this, in this moment, I choose you. I choose you. It's what God does every second of every day. He chooses us. Love always gives us a choice. And in that moment, I'm choosing. I'm, I'm choosing just to worship. And I know in His presence is where I process my pain. I know, like I said before, I know I've got to do all my grieving with my face towards God. And then I have to apply the second principle is that my mystery box I have a great it gets bigger all the time I have a mystery box and I put things like this in it and I just I just mark it's just marked mystery the things that don't make sense the loss the things that appear to be I mean when when heaven heaven gained that little girl right it wasn't God's plan it wasn't God's will it wasn't God's design it wasn't what God wanted God did not give them that little girl to take her back. Please never say God took them. And I know you could say it's a matter of semantics, but when we say that to people, we say that he, he chooses premature death over life. And that's not what the cross is speaking. The cross is speaking life. The only death was Jesus's. And so these moments I put in the mystery box. And I have worked over the last seven years to maintain that mindset. Now it happens involuntarily. It doesn't mean they don't affect me. It doesn't mean that I don't grieve. It doesn't mean I don't get down and, and do that Romans 12, weep with those who weep in, in, in sincerity, not just because they're weeping. But, but love has compassion for people. And so I still, you know, all those things still move me. But the disappointment no longer becomes something that I feed on. Because before, this is what I do now. I do what Jesus was teaching John. He said, go tell John this. And he starts to tell him about the miracles. Of all the things, why does he start telling him about the miracles? Psalms 37.3. Feed on the faithfulness of God. It's the same thing that, that, that God has Joshua do about the stones of remembrance, right? When they cross over the Jordan River, the water is going to stop again and part for them. And when you get across, I want each one, one head of each of the tribes of Israel to take a stone. And, and I want you to put it down as a sign, a stone of remembrance for your children of when this miracle happened for you. When you crossed over to the promised land, and there's a key principle in us for that. What are the stones of remembrance that we have in our life? What are the, 
the goodness of God, the testimonies, we call them, of the goodness of God, His faithfulness, the times that we've seen Him show up, the miracles that have happened, if anything, I can look in the mirror and say, you are a miracle. (laughs) Come on, I log every testimony. Every testimony. I log every testimony, every prophetic word. I log my dreams. I log all that stuff because it's value. It's actually invaluable. It's, it's, it's precious. And I read back in moments like that. This is what I do. This is, I'm giving you practical application of what Jesus taught John, of what I've applied to my life over the last seven years. And it's helping me remain in love. And let me give you a, a scripture here in a second in Romans 5 that will, will actually help, I believe, we can say things that are truth and that at times when we read the word it actually drives the truth home and it can become a part of our our foundation but these are practical principles I put it in the mystery box I process my pain in the presence and then I replace the thoughts of disappointment of the thing that didn't happen if it's somebody who's pain that doesn't get healed or, or the, and, and I'm not putting them on the same level but I'm saying that I do the same thing or it's premature death and anything in between this is what I do, I begin to feed on the faithfulness of God, I begin to remember the pagan high priest who got healed, I, I begin to remember the, the transgender that got healed, I begin to remember the Satanists that, that encountered the love of God. I begin to remember the, the discs in people's back that became whole. I begin to remember the things that because we were able, somebody taught us to feed on the faithfulness of God and put stuff in the mystery box. Since that moment, we've seen multiple cases of stage four cancer. Doctor approved, healed, right? Leukemia, healed. People, are, I mean, all over like we're we're sharing 420 ministries here today we're sharing in one another's fruit I, I just I tell their testimonies they're seeing miracles all over the world in, in Pakistan and in India right and in Africa there's they're seeing right here in Indianapolis they're they're seeing miracles everywhere we're sharing in one another's fruit and we're feeding on the faithfulness of God instead of on the things that don't happen and, and I don't know why I don't know why I don't know why but I know when Jesus did it it didn't go down like that and I know now that we me remaining in love me letting him love me is what is going to be the breakthrough is what is going to be it's not I don't please please hear me this is what I'm not saying I'm not saying that I need to contend for a greater breakthrough and I need to do something to get it. If God tells you to fast for 40 days, or that's where I lost all, that's where I became skinny Tony, was a 40-day fast. <laughs> Mostly Daniel fast, but I, I lost 30 pounds, and I found out that the fast wasn't just for spiritual health, it was actually for physical health. Because God intends for us to, to, to last a lifetime, as long as His, what His lifetime for us is. The Bible says at least in Psalm 70 years. And 80 if we have have favor, right? Even though I'm contending for the other promise back there in the Old Testament, which says 120. (laughs) Yeah. 
I was down on my knees down here worshiping. I'm like, God, I, I want to always, I never want this to be taken away from me because of, because of my body. Because divine health is, is what he paid for. Just because I'm not seeing the reality of what the gospel teaches, I don't bring the gospel down to my experience. I never let my experience trump the word of God. I always let the word of God trump my experience. And by feeding on the faithfulness, the miracles that we have seen, it actually brings me into this place of, of right here in Romans 5. I'm going to read this, then I'm going to close. We're going to get rid of some disappointment today, if any of you have it in the room or any of you have it online. Romans 5.5. 5. Therefore, having been just, or, I'm sorry, 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The kind of hope that is rooted in, the love that's been poured out of my heart by the Holy Spirit, regardless of what happens in my life, is unshakable hope. It's immovable hope. It's because it's only rooted in what He's already done, what He made possible for that love to be poured out of my heart. And then these other things, though there may be tears and there may be pain for moments, they won't be lasting. They won't they won't lead me to a place of believing that I have the legal right. That's in, in America, we can, we can believe because of all the amazing rights we have and the freedom, we can bring that into the kingdom with us and think, I got the right to do that. I got the right to hold on to this. But dead people, people that have been crucified with him, actually surrendered all their rights remember that when we're posting on Facebook. I actually gave up all my rights when I became a king's kid because it's not a democracy. Right? We live in a kingdom with one king. We're children of that king. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. And so that is all that I do to stay in the place of hope every time because if I don't do that I've went to the next person who needs healing and then that comes to my mind right you ever had this list of things that didn't happen <laughs> you're like but God last time I prayed for a knee it was you know <laughs> I remember the last six times that didn't happen and I go with this list of things that didn't happen and then I'm already I don't have any I don't have any faith. I don't have any hope. I am just praying a prayer out of uh, obligation. <laughs> have you ever prayed out of obligation? I've prayed out of obligation as the pastor didn't have hope. It's been a while, but I've, I've done it. It's just like, I know this is, this is my job, right? I don't think like that anymore, but I've done that. And so 
what I do is I go, and, and when I'm the next person that I'm going to pray for, I begin to think my Rolodex of over a thousand healings and miracles we've seen now in the last handful of years. And like, if I counted all that our friends have seen, my gosh, we'd have, you know, so many, and others. And so I want you to know, if you don't have your own, you're like, I don't have any testimonies to goodness of God. Remember again, you can look in the mirror and say, you're a miracle. That's an amazing testimony. But if you need a healing testimony or a miracle testimony, there's 66 book love letter right here. That's, they're, they're free for the taking. You can take these or you can take the ones that you've heard from us or you can take the ones that you hear from you, the great people that have went on before us or the ones that are living on the planet right now. Take any of them. They don't belong to us. They're the testimony of the goodness of God, not the testimony of Tony, or right? And so this is what I want to I do to end. And, and Solomon said this, I believe, at the end of Proverbs chapter 6, at the end of his, his reign. And he said, I don't fault a man if, if he steals, but if he does, he's got to pay back seven times. And so this is... This is an activation, or this is a prophetic act and, um, that we do to get rid of disappointment. And I believe that whatever was stolen from you, that God's going to repay it seven times. I don't know how it will come. I, I don't get to know any of that, but I, I'm believing that sevenfold, seven times the, the loss of, of whatever, whatever it was the disappointment. So if you've got disappointment in your life that you need to get rid of, and this is for you online also, just if you would stand to your feet, please. Feels good when you know you got the right message. Jesus. And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to take those. Jesus said, and I know he was talking about his life, but I apply it to this. He said, unless a seed falls into the, the ground and dies, it can't produce, it can't produce food, fruit or food, whatever that is. We take those seed, we'll take disappointment or plural disappointments in your hand like a seed. I just want you to wrap them up in the palm of your hand. If you, if you need two hands because you got so many, take Take them both, right? I, I know what that feels like. <clears throat> and so we take them. We take the disappointment, and we're gonna we're gonna plant it down into the the grace of God, the soil, where I believe that, that that's gonna produce the harvest. And and so as I'm praying this, I just want you to. And if you get your eyes closed, just want you to open your eyes real quick. And you just take your hand and you turn it over and just release. Release those seeds. Go ahead. You can do it now. Just release those seeds. Let go of the disappointment. Just picture yourself. You're letting go of all the disappointment. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come, come, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come as the comforter. Come as the the one that we need all the time, but especially right now. We thank you for coming. We thank you for your grace right now that all those seeds of disappointment have went down into. And we thank you, Father, for, for sevenfold or as many as you want to give. I don't want to limit you to seven times back. 
30, 60, 90, 100, million, whatever it is. We thank you for, we thank you for people right now, by faith, putting those things in the mystery box. We thank you for reminding them in this moment of your faithfulness and of your goodness. And I thank you for a transformation of the mind that will help people actually meditate on your goodness and no longer, if they were, meditate on the things that they haven't seen happen. And I thank you because of this, there's going to be a shift that happens in their life that actually gives them the ability to live out of a deeper, more intimate place of love. Yeah, thank you, Father. I thank you. I release the healing power of Jesus into every heart, into every soul, for every loss. I thank you there's not a time frame on grieving, but I thank you, Father, that you are walking, you are walking through it with them through it I thank you for anybody that feels stuck right now becoming unstuck in this moment Jesus is walking you through it and if you need him to he'll carry you through it if you'll allow him to I thank you that you are comforting I thank you that you are healing pain I thank you that you are saturating people with your love in this moment thank you father Thank you, Father. I release peace on every person in the name of Jesus. Man, Alan, Connie, I know this, this word's not just for you guys. I believe it's for more than in the New Covenant family, but I know this one hit, hit, hit as hard as any of them, if, if not harder. And I know, I feel your pain. We're, we're grieving grieving with you and not everybody needs to be privy to, to what's gone down if they, they don't know you even though it's public knowledge but I felt like that there's a, a mountain that God is moving out of your way and, and, and even coming to this conference was a faith statement it was a statement of showing uh, showing yourselves of showing your people that we will not back down from this thing that we're called to we are going to continue to move forward in the mystery you guys are an incredible example of what it looks like to remain in the mystery and continue to go after every promise that God's made and everything that he said about the new covenant family and the new covenant house is absolutely true that you are a house of manifest miracles not only miracles of healing and miracles um, of, of seeing uh, all kinds of incurable diseases healed but miracles of people coming into wholeness that you are the healthiest church family that I know of in in the in the region I personally know actually anywhere and, and the wholeness that you carry is getting on people in, in you guys's lives and your guys's leadership are making a huge difference in the region in this faith statement I see the mountain I see the mountain it's not it's it's not moving I know that may not be somebody's favorite prophetic word or even your favorite prophetic word, but I saw these blue footprints that were going over the mountain. And I feel right now that God is releasing the grace upon all of you to go over the mountain. Because this isn't a mountain that was meant to be moved. It was a mountain that was meant to be over uh, because it's a mountain that you are conquering. And I believe that cancer is a mountain that's being conquered because it's already been conquered by Jesus. But your guys' yes is echoing 
is echoing through generations and the things that you're building and the things that you've planted and the things that you're cultivating in your personal lives and in the New Covenant family are going to last forever. That you are bringing a generation, generations of people already, not the ones that are yet to come, even though they will step into so much more, but the ones that are already there with your guys' love and care and concern for, for the little ones, for high schoolers and, and the younger and, and even younger than that, grade school age and, and the little kids, the way that you're training them up in the things of the Lord, you are cultivating kingdom culture inside the people that you get to that you get to minister to. And your love and affection and compassion for them is changing their lives. And I don't know why the miracle didn't happen. I don't know why the miracle didn't happen, but the comforter is here. It's just releasing on everybody, Eric and Karen, Tom, Michelle, the whole team, all of them, Shelly, and yeah, all of them, just release the comforter. I thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for another seed going into the ground. Thank you for breakthrough and the healing of every incurable disease. I thank you that it already lives on the inside of them. I thank you for it coming out. Thank you for your faithful, faithful son, faithful daughter, faithful ones. Thank you, Father. Thank you for faithful people who are an example to us of what it looks like to remain faithful in all seasons. Bless them now in Jesus' name. I love you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you. I'm going to get the prayer team to come. Have you guys got a, you got some people that want to come up? And The prayer team, the, I'm sorry, the prayer team's already here. I'm, I'm having a moment. And uh, and um, if you guys need prayer, I want you to come up. But I'm not I'm not completely done yet. And and Joe, I've got a I've got a word for, for you guys. And and I man, I, I I'm gonna hope this is okay. Um and it's for you and and, and Kimmy both. And um, I'm just this is this is I thought I was done after that because that was emotional and, and sometimes those moments that just you don't understand. It's not just another prophetic word. It's it's not it's not that for me. My my spiritual father and fathers have taught me that. And you're sharing a moment of connection. You know, that last night with Samantha, I laid and Lindsay, I laid in bed last night and just cried over that moment. Over that moment. These are real moments to us that we get to share in. It's not have to or it's not just a thing that we do. And so I just want I want to I want to put that out there because it's that's that's real prophetic culture. You're sharing moments of people's lives. And this moment's really special and really emotional. And I, I feel like, man, I just I love that you're here. I, I love you. I love that you're here. And I know we don't know you that well yet. Um, we're gonna get to know you better. But I feel like that there's been um, there's been 
that you were just, you're like, I just don't want to hear one more time that our loss is heaven's gain. I don't want to, <laughs> I felt like that your realness and your vulnerability with God um, have been the, has brought the healing process into to your guys' lives in, in a radical, radical way. And I feel like that there's this compassion um, that's being birthed through this situation that God is actually working all things together for good, what he says in, in Romans 8. And I've heard, he, I've heard it said he can make uh, scars look like finely carved crystal. And I believe that the scars that, um, that you guys bear on your heart from, the, from this loss is a testimony to the rest of the world because they're watching you walk through it. Your family members are watching you walk through it and continue to say yes to Jesus. In, in your faith, though, you felt like it was it was radically shaken. I, I felt like from God's perspective, he was looking at your faith and it was actually immovable. That your faith hadn't moved, but it actually had increased with every step that you took with him. That every step you took with him, every step you chose to continue to walk with him, your faith is actually increasing. It's not decreasing. It's not been moved. It's it's not, there's nothing that's happened to it but growth. And so, Father, I thank you for, for doing in community both. I thank you for the for the peace of God entering into their souls, into their hearts, and into their lives. I thank you for, I know I just talked about a mountain not being moved, but I thank you for a mountain-moving faith that lives on the inside of both of them. Yeah, I thank you, Father, for the miracle that they are in their lives and their testimony everything that they mean to the world, that it's a better place because they have said yes to you and are here. So I bless the process, Lord. I pray your presence would increase, your tangible presence would increase upon both of them. I thank you, Father, they have an amazing family around them to minister to them and love on them, love them through the process. And I thank you that Thank you that they've become okay with not knowing all the things, right? Thank you for that. Thank you for another, Lord, too. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the hope of their heart. I thank you for them, you giving them the hope of their heart, the desire of their heart. I thank you for that right now. Bless them in Jesus' name. Father, for everybody else, I just, whew, thanks God. Everybody online, just, I just, we pray. Yeah. Yeah. We thank you, Father, that we're, that people are watching or people that are in this room or living in a place of love where disappointment won't affect them the same way that it used to. We thank you. We thank you in the midst of it. From this day forward, we will see more. We will see more miracles. We we will see more healing. We will see more people get set free. But ultimately, after today, we will be able to release a greater measure of love than we ever have. Thank you, Father, for that right there. I bless every person right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. If you need to remain in the place that you're in of, of worshiping, I think my daughter will be okay with playing the keys a little bit longer. <laughs> what appears to be in the dark. 
But if you need to remain in this place and worship for a little bit, please do. Don't, we're not in a hurry. But if you need prayer, prayer team's up here. Want to pray, want to pray for you? Again, we have a 2 o'clock session. There are lots of places to eat around here. It's 12.09. You've got some time. If you go to Jimmy John's, it'll be freaky fast. That's what they promised. They've always delivered. <laughs> They're right around the corner. <laughs> I know that was, I know there were heavy moments in that, right? And so, I, but this is, this is, I just wanted to be real with you. It's just those moments are important to talk about. Being real. He's a real. Grady Clark has a similar message. It's the agony of defeat. <laughs> I told you the victories. I need to tell you the defeats. Otherwise, you'll have an unrealistic uh, viewpoint of who we are. You're like, well, they just see everybody healed. <laughs> One day. You just haven't reached that day. But I know it's available in him. And I know the key is remaining in love. It's not complicated. The gospel's not complicated. It's simple. And so the keys are simple. And they're available to everybody. Yeah, so hopefully we'll see you back at 2. We got another session at 6. If you can't make the afternoon session, you need a break. Maybe you're not a people person. <laughs> you need to debrief from people. We get that too. Come back at 6. It will be, my gosh. You don't really want to miss in either session because because we've got amazing people speaking at both. So we bless you guys. We love you. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.